Hi, welcome to another episode of Not Another Bad Movie Podcast with me, Megan Tripp. Today with me is John Ryan. Hi, John. Hey, Megan. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm looking forward to talking about this bad movie. (laughs) While we've skipped right to the end, this movie is apparently bad. (laughs) Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to to ruin the surprise. (laughs) Uh, What movie did we watch? Uh, We watched Babysitter's Nightmare, a Lifetime original, I believe. Yes, it was. Lifetime. I think in one of the advertisements I saw while I was fast-forwarding through the ads said that they were like cable's number one movie channel and i was like i mean i guess you can say anything about yourself if you want to (laughs) yeah i guess there are no laws against lying in your advertising (laughs) pretty blatantly um i mean maybe they have the most number of originals in a year or something like i don't even know what that would mean number one oh yeah they're gonna yeah there's like an asterisk where it's 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 all quantity right no quality put out you know eight a day (laughs) I mean, you'd think that Hallmark would have them beat, because Hallmark, I feel, has, like, a billion movie series right now. Oh, yeah. I actually worked at a Hallmark for a couple of months right before I went to law school. And like the they were like, card store? Yeah, the card store. Um, and they have just a million of the DVDs in the back. Like, it's a falling hazard, because there's just so many of them. <laughs> stacked and other than like little ladies who come in in december and pick up like 30 of them for their grandkids no mm-hmm. one is buying those it's funny i think me and my sister <clears throat> excuse me and when i say me and my sister i mean my sister uh she <laughs> has a few well one of them i think is an abc family one the uh holiday and handcuffs one. Oh yeah and she has I don't know if she has it on DVD or VHS, but the one where they're like living in a car in December. <laughs> and yeah, then at um, the end she adopts the kids or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. Write in and tell me what movie that is. I don't remember. I was going to say, because I feel like like 30% of those movies ends with, and then she adopts the kids. <laughs> I feel like so. that was bigger... Like, in the 90s, it was more about, like, families and drama, and now it's just, like, there's a woman, and she has a high-powered career, and now she moved to a small town to live with this guy, because <laughs> they yeah. fell in love in a week. <laughs> yeah, it's always, like, incredible litigation attorney meets part-time handyman <laughs> and decides to move to farmland, Ohio. Right. But this was not... Uh, nearly so heartwarming. This was a story that you may have guessed from the term nightmare being used in the title is, um, I guess a thriller. Is that the best term? It feels almost like a slasher movie, except only one person dies. So it's not really a slasher movie. I actually, I was trying to explain this to my sister, who is a huge Lifetime movie fan. I was like, yeah, it was like a slasher film if they took out all the deaths (laughs) um but yeah i think it's it's supposed to be modeled on sort of a a friday the 13th or a halloween of like almost a morality tale told through slasher but no no one really dies so um yeah we only have one death at the end so it's a very low body count (laughs) oh well two people there's one person who isn't like a character who dies at the beginning right so 
two people die. <laughs> yeah, because there's the original babysitter who's almost a character, and then there's the best friend. And wait, no, there's also Jeremy. So. Oh yes, Jeremy. I already forgot about him. Yeah, I, I can't with such sterling characterization. Okay. I don't know how you forgot about him. I know, right? Okay. Let's uh, go in order. So, all right. We have the original babysitter. I don't know if she's ever given a name. Claire um, Carvin. Carvin oh, yes. is her last name. <laughs> get it? <laughs> yes. She doesn't like get stabbed though. She gets like um, as- asphyxiated. She has like a bag yeah. put over her head. So her name should be yeah. like Claire Baggins or something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess they were worried about the Tolkien estate coming after them for that, so they're like, we'll just sure. go with Carvin. <laughs> um, we spent a lot of time in this opening scene. I thought she was going to be like a character. I thought we were already in it. And then, no, yeah. she dies. And I was like, oh, this is just the opening death thing. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, it was... You know, it reminded me of like the first scene in Scream, but, you know, with that there was the whole like Drew Barrymore angle and it was actually tense and then it was sort of like oh wow like they killed her off heroes like I don't know who this is and we're like 20 minutes into the movie and she just died right um like this should have happened in the first five minutes or she should have been a character but the first 20 minutes it was very strange yeah like we got a real I, I the most attached I got to any character in this was the mask the little kid wore because i was like when when is the when is the mask coming back is that mask important does the killer wear the mask um so i mean that sounds silly except when we go through like the opening sequence with the uh names and everything uh we're looking at this like really nice house and everything is like very cookie cutter like everything's in neutral tones and you know this family has no personality at all and the only thing that's like amiss is this really freaky mask that they show and so you're like oh that's a freaky mask and then the kid uses it to like jump out at the babysitter and you're like oh okay i guess like the killer's gonna use that mask and then she's gonna think it's the kid or something and then realize that it's the killer but no, the killer just comes out from behind her and puts back of her head and that's it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the killer in this movie basically just wears a hoodie and sticks to the shadows. Like, that's their disguise. Like, they, they tease this mask, but it's really just... They just don't let your their face get seen. And that's it. Yeah. Uh, so. It's like... Kind of like a cape, but with sleeves. It's like a like a red riding hood costume but add sleeves to it. And then don't make it red, just make it like a regular like gray color. Right. And that's this killer's outfit. <laughs> yeah, um honestly, once the mask was gone, I this immediately fell in my estimation. I was like this is I thought that this was going to be the mask's movie, maybe the babysitter is possessed by the mask, but no, no mask. Like a scary version of Jim Carrey's The Mask. <laughs> yes. Well, a scarier version. Oh, <laughs> fair enough. 
That movie terrified me as a child, so. <laughs> I I think I've only seen that movie once when I was a kid. And I remember it being, like, the most hilarious thing I've ever seen. So I don't know if it would hold up, but... <laughs> Yeah, I think I saw it slightly too early, and so it scared me. If I had seen it like two or three more years later, I would have been like, oh, this is the funniest thing on, on the planet. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I saw it too early, and so now I'm just scarred by it. Uh, if it makes you feel any better, I did not watch the movie Gremlins, because I was like, I don't know, six or something. And my dad's like, let's watch Gremlins. And I think pretty early on in the movie, they established like, these little creatures turn bad if you get them wet or if all these other things happen. And I was like, is the rest of the movie like people trying to get these things to stop happening and then like they happen anyways? <laughs> and my dad's like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that sounds really stressful. I don't want to watch this movie. <laughs> Man, as a six-year-old, you really understood the mechanics of movie making. You were just like, okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm seeing some conditions that need to be met for mayhem and i know i'm getting mayhem so is it one of those movies i don't i don't need that (laughs) and then my dad laughed at me i was like but it's scary and he's like it's not it's gremlins and i'm like gremlins is like another word for monster what's wrong with you (laughs) yeah yeah gremlin either means like terrifying thing that eats you in eastern europe or it's like old and there's not really any in between Exactly. Anyway, no gremlins. Babysitter's nightmare. Uh, then twenty minutes in. No, yes. it could have used some gremlins, maybe. Absolutely. <laughs> um, we see our main character for the first time, and I'm like, "Oh, is this the mom of the children who was calling the babysitter to be like, oh hey, yeah, someone's so in the house with you?" One thing that we. And I don't know that the movie even follows up on this, but the the wife or the mother of the kids who's being that are being watched by the babysitter that gets asphyxiated, she has cameras all over the house or something. Like she can see the babysitter the whole time, and I don't know that that's ever followed up. That yeah. she has like this weird surveillance system in the house, but the babysitter still gets killed. Um, I just. It seemed like it was a really big plot point, but then Claire died, and it just sort of we just sort of moved on from it. Yeah, like that whole family does not matter until the very end when you yeah. find out who the killer is and why she did it, and even then it's not important yeah. about the family because it was just about the babysitter. <sighs> so then we have our main character Daphne. She's um, sitting in the office of the hospital at which she works and she's being let go and it's confusing because you're like who is this girl and why do I care but uh, this is the, our main character and uh, she apparently they don't tell you all the details at the start but she listened to a doctor who's not very good and as a result their yeah. child patient died. It seems and so like she's taking the fall. The the that that first scene is basically she was supposed to be watching the kid, and then she didn't watch the kid, but neither did the doctor, and so the kid passed away. Um, but yeah, they don't fill in enough details. Um, you just know that she listened to a superior, and 
took the fall for him because he's a doctor and she's a nurse um, when a kid dies, um, which is a really heavy kind of introduction to this character. Um, yeah. I was Yeah, I was like, this movie, I did not expect child death, like, immediately to be, like, a motivating incident in this movie. Um, so I was kind of taken aback by that, uh, that the movie just sort of jumped into that with both legs, so. Yeah, I kind of assumed it would be, like, um, either someone in between nannying jobs taking an extra babysitting job or maybe somebody who's like in school taking a babysitting job i didn't know that there was going to be like a reason why this person yeah. is unemployed um, kind of and that it's situation. like an important mode like it, it's like her motivation throughout the film is sort of uh, like making up for this kid she let die um which it's a very it's just i don't know like i said earlier heavy it's a heavy premise for like a very mediocre slasher and i was i was just kind of i was almost a little bit put off by it i was like oh that's a lot more than i was expecting to kind of have to deal with you know with this this particular movie um but yeah, I, I I figured it was just like she was she's a babysitter and she gets called and takes on a babysitting job and then someone tries to kill her. Um, I didn't expect sort of this whole emotional bedrock being that she like let a child down and they passed away. Um, so yeah, um, laugh a minute this movie. <laughs> um. I have a lot of notes from the first 20 minutes about the yeah, character that does not I can matter. see where they're... <laughs> and so I'm just like scanning through all this stuff that is not important. Yeah, because she gets um, let go and then um, she walks out of the office, you know, she's upset and she runs into Jeremy, who's a physician's assistant and her boyfriend. And it turns out that like Jeremy didn't back her up to the bosses. He kind of took the doctor's side, um, and so she yeah. breaks up with him after saying that, you know, I knew I was going to regret dating a physician's assistant, which I didn't know that that was a thing. Like, I didn't know that that was a trope. <laughs> I wrote um, that down, too. <laughs> I didn't. Know, yeah, I didn't know that they were, like, well-known Lotharios and Heartbreakers physician's assistants. Um <laughs> I mean, it might have been a more, an easier line of dialogue if she was like, I should have never dated right. someone I work with. But she's like, a physician's assistant. Yeah. And I'm like, Yeah, what? it's like, okay, yeah, you don't want to get involved with a, like a co-worker. That makes sense. But it was like, you know, my family for generations has said that physician's assistants going back, <laughs> you know, even before Igor and Dr. Frankenstein, you know, and instead it's like, no, it's just you, you dated, like, a, a guy who came straight out of central casting as jerk boyfriend, and it turned out he was a jerk boyfriend. Um, not sure his employment had anything to do with it, but... Sorry, I'm just 
looking over my notes, there's something that says Daphne gets fired, obviously a doll. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Casey. <laughs> Casey is Daphne's roommate and best friend, and she is also a nurse at the same hospital. Yes, I also have that's so... a fake baby. <laughs> So, um, the, uh, Casey, she's at, um, the hospital and she hears a baby cry. I guess she's at the NICU or something. And she goes in to check on the baby and she picks up this baby that has no weight to it at all. And she like keeps it mostly covered and away from the camera, but it's so very obviously a plastic doll. Yeah. I mean, I know American Sniper has gotten kind of the most backlash for an obviously fake baby uh, which i guess deservingly so since that wasn't like an actual hollywood movie but this yeah she might as well have been holding a balloon that was that had baby written on it like this was so obviously not a human child that she was holding (laughs) and like i don't know you could get like one of those babies that like have like a little bit of weight to them or like like a better one or cover it up more or like frame it so that you don't see her like so much of her and so much of the baby. Right, because she has the baby kind of in like the burping position uh, and so you can just see her very clearly moving this baby way more than you would want to move a baby. And so it was just very clear like, yeah. okay, either she's like weirdly strong or that's that's air. She's just moving like a rag doll. <laughs> Maybe there's a whole um, sideline story where, you know, she's just like a super strong. This doesn't come up when she's fighting the killer. No. Though, so that's probably not the case. No, if, if it was, maybe she got depowered or something like that. Like her powers only work when she has direct <laughs> sunlight. Um, or maybe fl- fluorescent lights give her the power. So only in the hospital. Right. <laughs> And this, this house where she gets killed doesn't have fluorescent lighting, so there's no, no way. No, that would be much too harsh for Toby's delicate eyes. <laughs> um, so, at the hospital, that whole scene, like, was not important. Except, I guess, the, the killer goes there to, like, figure out where the main character is going to be. Yeah. Since, I guess, she assumed she was going to still work at the hospital and she didn't. Yeah, so Casey and Daphne talk about her getting fired, and Casey is, like, kind of over-the-top rude to Jeremy, which he deserves. Um, And then Casey, like, then I think Daphne leaves, and Casey calls her and says that she has, like, a babysitting gig. Like, another doctor um, had a friend who needs a bit. Like, there's a weird like six degrees of doctors to get her this babysitting gig. And then the post-it that had the number that she needs to call for the babysitting gig, that's what the killer steals. Like you think she's the killer is going to kill Casey and she's like watching Casey with the, the totally real baby. And then Casey goes to the bathroom and she's in the bathroom I wish I was making this all... This is all supposed to be, like, suspenseful, but I was mostly just... There's a lot of music going on yes. to make it seem like, oh, no, what's going to happen to Casey? Answer, nothing's going to happen to Casey at Yeah, hospital. no, she just goes into the bathroom and, like, fixes her hair, and when she comes back, the post-it note is gone. And it was, like, the world's right. le- lowest stakes heist. 
has that's taken <laughs> 10 minutes um and you know again for a slasher film nobody died no one was even in like danger really no because all she really wants to do is uh get her hands on daphne our main yes. character um because i guess i'll just tell you in the end it turns out the mom of the boy who died under daphne's care is the one who is the murderer yes and so she doesn't really i like kill other people who get in her way but like really she just wants to go after daphne and i mean she really could have killed her at her own apartment and try to figure out where she lived but i guess she just went to her place of employment she didn't work there anymore she saw a post-it and worked with that instead yeah i mean she seems to be able to move around the the hospital pretty much unseen you'd think she would just sort of hang out by because casey and daphne have several exposition heavy phone conversations you feel like at a certain point casey would have been like well you were you live at you know 40 north hollywood (laughs) street you know in apartment 3c so but yeah she she does like a video game stealth mission so that she can get the post-it note because she wants to kill daphne for letting her son die Yep. And and then what was the connection with Claire, the original babysitter? How did she play into it again? By this point, I was getting very sleepy. <laughs> um, so Claire used to be the killer's babysitter. And Claire and her husband um, were sleeping together. And right. she found oh, out. Right. So then she killed both her husband and her. But... Then I got confused because Daphne has met the dad. So yeah. what is the timeline on all this? <laughs> she says something about trying to poison her husband. Oh, okay. So she wasn't successful. Yeah. So I think she okay. tried to kill her husband. That's what led to them, like her not being able to see her kid, the name of which I, I totally blank on, um, you know, plot device child, uh, uh, she doesn't get to see him. The dad is too busy philandering with his babysitter, uh, Claire, that he doesn't notice that the kid dies or something. I'm not really sure how the causation worked there. And so I think it was she kills Claire. Before the kid even was in the hospital, he was having this affair, and then she tried to kill him. And then the court said you're not allowed to be around your son if you're attempting to murder people but apparently like didn't put her in prison for it i don't know <laughs> yeah i mean i'm in law school attempted poisoning usually at least you know there's gonna be a court case like they're gonna follow that up they're not just gonna like they're not gonna do the thing where they take like the two kids and be like all right break it up both of you go home like no that do you promise you com- won't try to murder people through poison again i promise okay well, you seem to mean yeah it. i mean does does california have like a you get one rule it's like you get one attempt to poison someone but if you get caught that's it uh, i guess maybe the judge was like i have a cheating husband i get it it's cool oh maybe <laughs> we're gonna yeah babysitter's nightmare 2 is gonna be the judge comes back and tries to kill daphne because daphne like accidentally didn't watch their grandkid or something like that and Daphne's gonna be like listen there's only so much I can do in this hospital okay I'm not responsible for every patient (laughs) that wasn't even my patient what are you talking about 
Also, you killed Casey, the only other nurse who appeared to work here, so I have been <laughs> super understaffed. Yeah. Uh, Spoiler alert. Casey oh, yes. passes away. Casey is the one who dies. In case you're like, yes. which one dies? It's the black friend who dies. It's exactly yeah. who you thought would die. Um, so Daphne meets with the mother of the child showing to be babysitting and with the child himself, Toby. Uh, Toby is diabetic. He is also kind of sassy. What did, what did you think of Toby? Yeah, I mean, he was clearly supposed to be, like, the precocious kid who's, you know, wise beyond his years. But, he, oh, yeah, they definitely gave him, like, a little sassy feel to him where he was like flinging one-liners and stuff like that and there were there was more than one scene where Daphne and Toby's mom like looked at each other in shocked amusement <laughs> at like can you believe he said that and I was like yes I can believe someone wrote that for that child to say yes <laughs> um I found him so, slightly yeah, it, irritating but I was also glad that he had a personality because a lot of times it's just like, I'm the child. That's my personality. Yeah, I was... When they first introduced him, I was like, okay, he's... They're just going to have him be, like, diabetic child. So he's just going to kind of be there, and then Daphne at some point is, like, going to have to get him his insulin in a moment of crisis, and that's going to be his personality. So it was nice that he was, like, an inventor and... um kind of like flirtatious with both Daphne and Casey. It was like, okay, at least like they tried to make this kind of a well-rounded, you know, kind of nerdy, smart young kid. Um, so I appreciate what they were trying to do, even if I definitely wrote down that he was the worst. Um, so. <laughs> Toby equals the worst. <laughs> Yeah, well, it wasn't some... I just wrote, like, precocious kids are the worst. Like, I just... That kind of character is so prevalent in these kind of movies. And it's, you know, it's just very hard to do, like, a wise beyond their years kid uh, well. And this movie was not going to take the time to do it well. So... um, But, I mean, ultimately, it moves fast enough that he wasn't so bad. Yeah. Like, this movie could have been shorter, uh, just because there's not a lot of plot here. But it, it wasn't... It didn't feel terribly long. No. Um, and, I mean, I watched it on Lifetime, so there were actually, like, commercial breaks so I could get up and, like, stretch my legs and get a drink and use the restroom. So it, it went by pretty quickly. I didn't feel like I was trapped on the sofa for two hours. <laughs> That's always good to not feel trapped. Man, we are. Yeah, I was going to say, I am just flinging out high praise here. <laughs> um, so, surprise, surprise, uh, Daphne gets the job and she goes to this house and the house is enormous and the front doors are like a little bit of wood at the bottom and like five feet of glass. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that that's classic like rich person architecture or uh building design. Yep. Is like we're we're just going to really hope that society doesn't break down because if so 
the smallest of rocks is going to make this into a very nice hole in our wall. Like, they're just... the Yeah, the front doors are way too much glass for anyone who is actually worried about someone trying to get in. Yeah. I, I think we're supposed to feel that these parents are, like, maybe too trusting. <laughs> Which I think they... They are. The entire house is glass, pretty much. It's crazy. As she's walking through that first day, I'm like, there are so many windows and there's no window treatment. So you can see inside like a giant fishbowl. Yeah, there is one scene where she's walking around um, during the day. And it's like, wow, there's a, there's a beautiful amount of natural light in this home. I would definitely find that very pleasant. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of natural like, wait, light. Wait, I'm watching a slasher. <laughs> yeah. There's there's very little slasher in the slasher film. There's mostly just like, oh, I'm going to like walk around and I'm going to talk to the mom and the mom's going to go and then I'm going to walk around and, uh, you know, maybe I'm going to go out by the pool for a little bit. Maybe I'm going to go out on the balcony. Maybe I'm going to talk to my friend on the phone. Maybe walk around a little more. <laughs> there's a lot of walking yeah, around this Yeah, there's a significant amount of this movie is, yeah is Daphne kind of needlessly in a bikini wandering around the house, like looking for her phone or following up on a noise. And it was, yeah, it's just like, is part of this that, like, are you trying to sell me the house? Like, am I just supposed to see like, wow, yeah, I would really like to live here. I mean, there's a problem of creepy pizza man uh, and killers, but it is a beautiful house. Yeah, that's, there's one scene too, which is terrible. I don't know how old Toby is meant to be, but he's like up in his room and she's like concerned because I guess she heard a noise, but like she goes in without knocking and I'm like, you don't go in. I mean, you shouldn't go into a room without knocking just because it's rude, but like (laughs) a young boy, like just leave him be. That is not anything you want to be around for. Yeah, especially because he definitely is like try and pick up lines every once in a while on her and Casey. It's like you don't want just yeah, just leave him his space. <laughs> just give him a wide. Let him birth. stay in his little. Yeah, let him stay in his tent until you eat pizza for like the third time in two days. <laughs> um, so she does order a pizza, and the pizza guy comes and he asks, um if she's the mom and she says, no, I'm the babysitter. And he's like, well, when are the parents coming home? And she's like, oh, they're on their way back. And, uh, I don't know. Was there anything else that was super creepy about him? Uh, I mean, other than everything, (laughs) um, his general demeanor and the way he looked and the way he acted. Um, yeah, no, cause he comes up and like gives her the pizza and immediately starts asking questions that like only someone who wants to rob the place or break in and harm someone would ask. Yeah, it's like, hey, you know, dude, you don't need to know who's here and who's not here. That's like, just take the money and go. Yeah, I, I worked as a pizza guy for a summer, and like at, at this point now, this podcast is just gonna be like my various odd <laughs> jobs I worked before I actually got. We're a gonna career. get your whole resume um, by the end of the show. Yeah, it's going to be great. I'm going to finally get that pizza Hallmark job I've been looking for. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it would never occur to me to walk up to, especially at night, to walk up to someone's 
home and start asking them, you know, who else is in there. And I mean, I guess there's sort of a, you could see where they maybe were trying to make a point about like male entitlement and how, you know, guys are creepy and kind of think that they can, you know, show up in a situation where a woman is clearly uncomfortable and then make them more uncomfortable, kind of a, either intentionally or obliviously. But the whole time I was just like, how is, like, this guy's gotta be the killer. If he's not the killer, like, this is the, like, most obvious, weird, creepy red herring I've ever seen. Um, so, yeah, yeah he, but he was, because he, he asks her all these questions, she pays him, and then he comes back. Yeah, like, like okay, an hour later th- this or guy's... something. Like, it's not right. immediate. No, 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 no. He goes and, like, drives around for a while and then comes back and says, like, oh, you overpaid me. Let me give you the money back. And she's like, no, that's 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 fine. You can just keep the money. And then he's like, oh, I thought the parents were on their way back. And it's like, come on. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Movie. Yeah, because it was like, at first, <clears throat> it seemed that he, I don't know, maybe had watched too many pornos and thought she was going to invite him in or something. I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> when he comes back. It's really obvious she is not having it. She's not even opening the door. The only reason he can see her is because the store is ridiculously made of glass. But at that point, it does seem that he's, like, just trying to, like, antagonize her. To be like, oh, yeah, Yeah. like, you said those people were going to come back and they didn't? Like, what's going on? And then she's like, oh, yeah, they had a lift home. And then she starts explaining about, like, how they had to take their car to the mechanic. And it's like, don't over-explain. Just walk away. (laughs) Yeah, I was, I was like, I'm, I appreciate your improv skills, Daphne, but just, just go ahead and like lock that door, and like tell this pizza guy to go away, especially since um, earlier in the movie when Claire, the first babysitter, dies, she, uh, Daphne hears a news report where they suspect that the pizza delivery guy did it, which she then orders a pizza as soon as she goes into that neighborhood and is staying there by herself for the night with a kid, um, which was just an odd decision. Um, I, I don't know. I think it was like supposed to be we watch her watch the news report so we know that she knows about that news report. But like, I guess she immediately forgets about it until the pizza guy's creepy and she's like, hey, wait a minute. Wasn't the guy who killed the girl a pizza delivery man maybe that was a bad call the first yeah like the first hour of this movie is very clearly setting you up to think okay there's a killer police uh, pizza i keep saying police man pizza man <laughs> well later like, there is a policeman but right now there's yes. just a pizza man <laughs> there is there's a there's a hunky uh policeman um but yeah no the the pizza guy is very obviously supposed to be creepy, and he the whole time I was, of, like, I was Steve Buscemi and Fargo. <laughs> you know yes. when just sort of funny looking. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean funny looking? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that scene. Anyways, <laughs> she also I now this is something that 
again, my my vast experience in pizza delivery made it weird for me. But she's like, and he didn't he didn't have like a delivery car. I was like, when was have like, you ever seen like a delivery car for pizza? Like usually it's just like that little light that you stick on top of your actual regular personal car, isn't it? Right. Like I I delivered for a local place, so it wasn't even like they had that. Yeah. Like, I just pulled up in my Subaru. Yeah. And like pulled out a pizza and they were like okay this is the pizza guy like there was never any can i see your <laughs> pizza credentials pizza please? <laughs> identification yeah put your pizza badge up to the window it's like the badge is the pizza i'm holding that's that's it like did you order what i'm giving you that should indicate um the people you called <laughs> oh dear yeah she says that more than once and i was like that's not a thing <laughs> Yeah, she says it to Casey, and Casey is like, well, maybe it's a local place. And I was like, thank you, voice of reason, but they just move on. There's never like an, oh, yeah, that was a ridiculous clue I was hanging on to. You're right. I'm overly jumpy right now. No, it was like, I don't know, maybe. Still seems fishy, though. (laughs) Yeah, what kind of pizza guy doesn't drive a delivery car was one of the notes, and I was like, all of them? <laughs> is this a trick question? <laughs> yeah. So. But yeah, the the creepy pizza man. Yeah, we have him. Shows shows up, leaves, comes back to be creepy again, and then leaves, and then I think when he leaves, that's when Jeremy shows up. Yeah, she sees some um, footsteps, like footprints in the backyard and she's like oh i think it's the pizza guy but then he doesn't come around and then it's the next day and she's walking around and there's a pool and she loses her phone yes and then that... it, the maid is the maid next or is it jeremy next i feel like she yells at jeremy during the pizza man night and then then there's the next day where she talks to the maid but i honestly this this movie was just like one disconnected scene after another, so and nothing comes of these scenes. Like Jeremy just shows up and he's like, I don't want to throw away a year of a relationship on me like not defending you and you losing your job and you getting blamed for a kid dying. Like, is that really gonna be what's gonna end this? It's like Yeah, yeah dude, dude, that's an incredibly <laughs> traumatic thing that you aided and abetted. Like, what are you talking about? And I love she she calls him out on it. She's like, uh, yeah, a child died and I lost my job. So, yeah, it's over. Don't talk to me anymore. Yeah, it was it was a scene where I was like, I got I, I'm not missing anything here. Like a kid died. That's a huge thing for anyone. Like, why do you why Jeremy's like, listen, we, we've had some bumps in the road, a couple of, you know, children dying but i still feel like i was like no no no, dude that that, you're gonna need to give her her space i mean even if you weren't found responsible for the death of the kid and you didn't lose your job the first time you lose a patient it's very difficult and when it's a child patient that's even more difficult so even if she was just pulling away because she was dealing with like the guilt and trauma of that like give her her space for that but then you're responsible for her losing her job because you refused to stand up like come on dude (laughs) yeah i mean 
she was in like completely in the right to be like, nah, dude, you suck, and I don't want to, especially don't want to talk to you right now, like while I'm still grieving. But yeah, I don't want to date you. Like, please don't show up to my my new place of business in the middle of the night, and like ask me to take you back. Also, how strange is it that he thinks, you know, what's a good idea? Going to a stranger's house to go see my girlfriend who's babysitting this boy right now. It can't wait until another time. Yeah. And he, like, every time they have a conversation, he, like, emphasizes. He's like, I'm not going to throw away a year's worth of relationship. It's like, dude, yeah, a year is a long-ish time, but, like, let's ease up here. Like, you're not throwing away a 30-year marriage over this. Like, just just wait a couple, wait, wait out the weekend and give her a call on Monday. Like, let her get through her new job before you do this. Yeah, I, we don't really know when it is that she lost her job, but it seems like maybe this week. <laughs> yeah, no, there's not a lot of time because she's still very clearly grieving when she gets the call from Casey about, about the, the new job. Time. Yeah. So this guy is like showing up two or three days later at most and being like, I, I, I feel like we're past that. <laughs> It's like, yeah, maybe you are. (laughs) So Jeremy closes the gate because there's a gate around this house. Um, And he goes to his car and he left the door unlocked, but he can't turn over the engine because he doesn't have his keys. So then he grabs a coat hanger and goes to grab his keys. And then someone's behind him. But yes. it doesn't really matter until he gets back into his car when someone slips into the seat behind him and they take his stethoscope and strangle him with it. <laughs> yes. They do the like the scene from um, The Godfather where the guy gets into the car and they choke him from behind, except there's no iconic line like, leave the gun, take the cannolis. It's just Jeremy falls face forward onto the horn. Um, and, like, hits the horn a couple of times, and Daphne, like, looks out the window and goes, like, ugh, Jeremy, and walks away. I was like, all right, well, that's that's a decent slasher moment where, like, he's trying to get her attention, but he's pissed her off so much that she just ignores it, mm-hmm. and it, like, costs him his life. I was like, all right, yeah, that's a decent, that's, that's, that's okay slasher logic of, like, you know, if everything in a slasher is sort of supposed to be about morality than the idea of like not giving her her space totally it is equivalent to you getting choked to death in your own car <laughs> again yeah, that's that's slasher logic like stethoscope petard yes <laughs> i can't say words <laughs> <laughs> don't worry i mean you've you've nailed pizza more times than i have so that's that's at least a win <laughs> um so I guess we'll talk about the maid next. We don't know when that happened, but it happened. So we'll, we can talk about yeah, that. <laughs> at some point, Jeremy dies and then it's daytime again and a maid shows up. And um, uh, she's, you know, walking around in a crocheted bikini top and yes. thinks that she has heard something. So she calls the police and they say, you know, stay put. And so she starts wandering around the house. <laughs> yeah. 
and uh, she sees this woman in like um, cleaning clothes. Like there's not like a an emblem or anything saying where she's from, but she's just obviously like in working clothes, and she has like a bucket of cleaning supplies, and uh, she's like, "Oh, I didn't know anyone would be here. I thought the family was out of town." And Daphne's like, well, the parents are, Toby's still here, you didn't want to fly, I'm the babysitter. And then um, this woman's like, oh, I'm the maid. And uh, I'm, I've been with the cleaning service a long time, but I've never cleaned this particular home. And then she, like, wipes down an already clean counter and leaves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she sprays, like, a little bit of Windex on an immaculate kitchen counter, like, rubs a towel on it and then uh she has they have a conversation i don't remember the content of it i think it's mostly just like talking about how she definitely works there and isn't a fake maid there to try to kill daphne (laughs) basically Um, there is one interesting line of um well they're talking a little bit about like oh do you have kids and do you want to have kids someday and uh Daphne's like, I don't feel like I'm really mature enough to be a parent yet. Like, I don't feel that way. And then the maid says, it doesn't matter what you feel. All that matters is what is. And then Daphne's like, yeah, I guess you're right. And it's like, is she? (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't think she is. She's (laughs) not right, Daphne. Don't just take in... The existentialist maid... Yeah, uh, and there's another thing I wrote down. Babysitter and maid keep scaring each other. There's like (laughs) one or at least two, I think three times where they like both walk around a corner and bump into each other. And they're both like, ah! Ah! (laughs) And then I think the maid, whose name is Audra, Audra's like, oh, we got to stop doing that, haha. And it's like, "Uh, yeah, what? Like, this is a huge house. How do you guys keep bumping into each other? Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like supposed to build a minor amount of tension and then have the, like the tension released. But you end up just being like, maybe just announce you're turning a corner or something. Like, do like the thing where (laughs) if you're in like a kitchen. Yeah. But yeah, the, the maid is there for roughly eight and a half minutes seven of them are a conversation about having children with the babysitter and then she's like well i'm all done here yeah it's funny because the cop comes during the time that the maid's still there and uh daphne's like oh it was just the maid i didn't realize she was coming um so i'm sorry and he's like well do you want me to look around the outside of the house to see if there's any like break-in or anything and she's like i guess and so he does And he's, like, peering inside the house because the house is a lot of glass. And then the maid's like, oh, maybe he's checking you out. And I was like, that seems really inappropriate to say, Audra. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, in this movie where, like, Toby's one-liners and, like, pickup lines on these adult women is supposed to be cute. Like, maybe that was supposed to be, like, ah, just a couple of, you know couple of gals playing around but it just came off as like weird and just yeah it was uncomfortable to be like oh maybe he's checking you out anyway well good luck i'm gonna leave you here with this police officer like <laughs> yeah 
It's like, well, I mean, I should certainly hope not in this particular context. I did think that there was, you know, like a burglar, someone who's going to try and harm me and the kid. So maybe he should just be a police officer. <laughs> right. He's like, oh, he's checking you out. It's like, really? Because, he, yeah, he should be checking for danger. It's like, I'm <laughs> responsible for a child. Um, but, yeah, he leaves. He doesn't find anything. Do we know how Audra got in in the first place? Because she's not really uh, with a, a cleaning service. Spoiler alert. No. Audra's a she fake just, maid. Yeah, I actually wrote in all caps, fake maid. So <laughs> we got uh, right after rolling pin on bad boyfriend. But that's not as important. Just for some reason, uh, Daphne's like weapon of choice when she's wandering around this house is she keeps picking up a rolling pin. <laughs> Like, she, she picks up a giant knife, looks at it, and then kind of does, like, a, no, that's silly, and picks up a rolling pin. It's like, do you think Andy Cap is breaking in? Like, who are you fighting <laughs> off? Yeah. Um, she just read a lot of Andy Cap as a kid. It just felt, it just felt right. She said, at last, yeah. my hand is complete. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Audra leaves, the cop leaves, um... I think Daphne talks to Toby. He has to get his insulin shot before dinner. But he Um, takes his insulin way too soon. Because if you take your insulin, you're supposed to eat, like, immediately. Otherwise, your blood sugar is going to drop. Like, that's why you take it when you eat, to make sure that your blood sugar doesn't go too high. But if you don't eat immediately, your blood sugar goes way too low. You could pass out. That really bothered me. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, yeah, you haven't even seemed... made food yet. Like, don't give him his shot now. <laughs> You're a nurse. You should know better than that. Well, we know her track record as a nurse. So you know, maybe <laughs> she was like, she's like, yeah, I gave him his hourly insulin shot. But I don't know. He won't wake up. <laughs> That's terrible. Um, But then. But yeah, so Casey she, she keeps saying like, yes, Casey comes over and she brings uh chinese food so they all eat chinese food and they talk about how casey had a date that night but he wasn't he didn't look like the picture on the dating app so she bailed on him and decided to come over and then she's like daphne why didn't you answer my text when i said i was gonna come over and daphne's like oh my phone went missing um and so now there's the mystery of the missing phone um, which is a crucial plot point um, while they're eating. Uh, and then I think they go search for it or something, or she tells Toby to take a bath and they're going to watch a movie, and then Casey gets changed, and when she comes back, her phone is gone. Yeah. Um, so neither of them have phones. Um, it takes them way too long to think of, like, oh, why don't we call them using the landline? Um because there is a landline in the, the home. But the um, the landline is also... Is it gone or is it just like the lines cut? I think it's when they call the phones, they go straight to voicemail. Um, or maybe, yeah, maybe the, the phone lines are cut. I don't remember. I just remember them using the landline to call one of the cell phones and it going straight to voicemail. And Daphne's like, that's weird. I charged it. It was fully charged this afternoon. 
and I mean, in my head, I was like, okay, that doesn't mean anything if you have an iPhone. Like, it <laughs> thing could be dead an hour later. Like, um, yeah, I think they have access to landlines earlier on to establish that the phones are off, and then they like go try to get landlines again because they put the landlines down, and then the landlines are gone. Because I think it's it's like um, they're not corded they're they're wireless right phones so they've been misplaced too much like all the other high-tech stuff that this house has they also have cordless phones <laughs> so there's a moment i don't know why I, I don't know if they're just like jumpy or if something actually has happened at this point but they decide to put wind chimes on the door Yes, they, they they use that as like an alert system, um, where the. Yes. Oh, was that? Oh, sorry. I just said yeah. They, they use it as like an alert system. And it's insane to me because they have to like walk past the wall that is right next to the door, which has a very prominent panel on it, and it's like, what is that for? Is that like, just for the like air conditioning unit? Because that looks like an alarm system panel. <laughs> What is happening? Yeah. Yeah, this, that, yeah, and I was like, this house definitely has an alarm system. Like, there's no way that you build that house in that kind of neighborhood and you don't immediately, like, put in at least a basic sort of got to put in the code when you walk in the front door kind of uh, alarm system. So that was weird. I think even the front door has, like, a number pad on it. So, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's possible that they never put on the alarm system when they left, and they just didn't mention to the babysitter, this house has an alarm system. You yeah. can turn on the alarm at some point. But yeah, they... Ultimately, they realize that the phones are gone, and someone's in the house, and... I mean, then there's just sort of... I mean, the last 20 minutes of this movie is mostly just like generic running around the house stuff um i'm trying to remember the the sequence of events after they figure out the phones are gone then they realize like oh something weird is going on but i'm trying to figure out how they like i'm trying to remember how they figure out that someone is actually in the house i don't remember maybe they hear a noise yeah <laughs> <laughs> but at some point the killer, I think, just starts coming for them, and they run out of the house, and they hide by the grill, and then yes. the killer it comes up where they should be by the grill, but they've already run along, and they're, they're now they're running outside, but still within like the fence gate area, and I'm like, shouldn't you run next door and call for the cops, but... I guess they didn't want to leave Toby behind because Toby's asleep and vulnerable and whatever. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Toby's, yeah, upstairs while they're dealing with this. Right, I had... Oh, man, I would be a terrible babysitter. I would just totally have forgotten that Toby was there. <laughs> be like, oh, geez. Yeah, I, I left your kid behind, but I'm okay. <laughs> but positives, one of us <laughs> made it out alive, which, you know... 50%? That's not terrible. <laughs> um, so yeah, they run back in the house, and they put 
I guess earlier, in order to make themselves feel better, even though they didn't have like hard evidence that there was a killer. Or no, they see Jeremy's dead. Right, right, they right, right. They peek into dead. his car. That's yeah. why they know that there's a killer. I remember now. <laughs> yes. Which meant that Jeremy was out there in his car the whole time? Yeah. So when, what's her face, Casey came over, I guess because it was dark, she didn't say. But yeah. yeah, she had to pass by his dead body in order to get in the house. Yeah, it, it's going to turn out that she was like looking at her phone because she was annoyed that Daphne hadn't texted her back and just walked like right past Jeremy. Probably. Like, oh, it smells. <laughs> well, he shouldn't smell already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... But yeah. So yeah, they find Jeremy dead, and that's when they're like, oh, I think there might be a killer. Right, and so they're like, um, there's a lot of double doors, let's tie them with bed sheets so that you can't open the doors. Um, yeah. And then... They go into, like, full barricade mode. Yeah, and they get, like, a couple of chairs and stuff, and then that's when they get, like, the wind chimes, and... Okay, so now the house is all, like, battened down, but, like, the killer's inside the house already. And so um, Daphne, like, throws a sheet at the killer to, like, make the killer not be able to see. (laughs) And then the killer's (laughs) like, that's a sheet, what are you doing? (laughs) Like, he doesn't, she doesn't say anything, but she just, like, swats at it and it goes away. And I was like, oh, Daphne, that was not a very good (laughs) way to try to slow her down. Yeah, she's, like, when she's doing the the debrief after this to the cop she's like then i threw a sheet and they're like yeah we're not gonna put that in the report to be honest (laughs) we're We're gonna gonna keep that (laughs) and i would suggest when you write your book about this encounter don't don't mention that you threw a sheet at a killer yeah just just skip right on past it just say you ran to the door (laughs) let's just go you ran to the door so she runs the door and the door is barricaded and she can't figure out how to get the door open quick but then she does get the door open eventually, and then her and her friends are running outside, and they come back inside, and I guess they manage to, like, hit the killer. So now the killer, they think, is, like, unconscious on the pavement. Yeah. And then they, like, uh, try to barricade stuff again, and then they look out, yes. and then, like, no one's there anymore. So she got up and now is trying to get back yes. in the house. Um, and I think they they end up separated. I think because Casey goes to get her keys. Yeah, I think that that's sort of once they get inside, they realize that they need a car to drive away. So Casey goes to the kitchen to find her keys, while Daphne goes upstairs to get Toby because I guess they remembered that the reason they were there was because there's a child there. Right. Um, and so Casey gets her keys but then she gets cornered in the kitchen by the killer right yeah and they fight and i think the the killer breaks a wine bottle that casey had brought and casey momentarily seems like offended that this killer like wasted her bottle of she wine. does and i i honestly i was like okay that was the best moment of this movie so far was Casey being like, that was a $12 bottle of wine you just broke, all right? Uh, yeah. Casey, there's moments where the sassy friend feels, like, kind of annoying and derivative, and it's like, ugh, 
this again, but there's moments where it works pretty well. And like that moment of how dare you destroy my bottle of wine, (laughs) even though she doesn't say anything. She just, you know, has that expression on her face. Like, I think that worked pretty well. Yeah. The actress who played Casey was the one who was very clearly like sort of trying to embody the role as much as possible. And so I think that she was sort of the most interesting character to watch just because, you know, she did have that kind of like, Oh, what? Like, you just wasted my like my wine um whereas with daphne it's just sort of like she has two modes it well three modes she's got like sad about a kid dying kind of like smiling and shaking her head about how how witty toby is and then like terrified that she's gonna get murdered those are like her three modes whereas casey at least kind of feels even if she is a super derivative kind of horror character she does at least the actress who plays her at least gives her some life um and gives her you know enough that i was like okay i kind of enjoy watching this character um in her scenes definitely um so now um casey has a corkscrew and her keys and the killer has this bottle of wine and um they chase each other around the island and at one point Casey leaves behind the keys and she goes back for the keys and then the um, killer like pushes her into the ground where there's a bunch of um, glass that's standing up and it stabs her in the neck with it essentially yeah that was like actually a kind of surprisingly brutal scene for this movie yeah it's like the the killer does not do this quickly no it's slow and deliberate and i yeah i mean casey like very clearly knows what's about to happen to her and the killer has her foot on her like pushing her down towards the broken bottle that's gonna like stab her and i was like wow this is like they're not cutting away like i am going to watch casey die um so i was surprised that the movie kind of jumped from you know tv 14 to maybe like tv 16 for that scene and then immediately back yeah because like the only real scares in this movie up until this point is like oh was that a noise huh is that pizza guy back like this is the first time where i actually was like genuinely like scared this was a a good scene (laughs) that like felt like it could be in a an actual movie yeah because you know the the movie does a a pretty good job of making you like casey and you kind of um you know she's certainly a more interesting character than daphne who's just sort of there um and so this is a kind of brutal death scene that you don't expect and i thought yeah i thought it was of the scenes in the movie probably the most effective yeah in terms of one me caring about the characters and two me kind of being unsettled yeah um so yeah um they get they get points for having one scene that thrilled me um daphne doesn't know what's happened and um she 
Oh, one other thing I did like from a little bit earlier was when um, right before the killer uh, starts chasing Casey around is um, she's slowly going up the stairs and like dragging the knife along the metal banister. And I was like, oh, that's a nice touch. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's in the, the trailer also. Um, like, if you watch, like, the 30-second trailer for this movie, that's in there, is, like, the knife sliding on the banister. So, yeah, that actually is a pretty good touch. But, um, yeah, I mean, I love Casey, but her hiding spot sucked. As soon as the bad guy comes in, <laughs> she's like, I'm going to go into this closet that's, like, underneath the staircase. And so she does, and she shuts the grate behind her. But there's no door. There's just a grate. <laughs> Yeah, she's literally just inches away from the other person behind the grate. Though this does have another good moment where she doesn't say anything, but you can see her realize, like, oh, wait, if I push the gate into them, then I can run away. And again, it was like another moment where I was like, oh, I am seeing some kind of internal life of Casey, where she's realizing, like, oh, you can't just pin yourself against a wall, but if you, like, push the grate against them and run, you have a better chance. You might get away. Yeah. 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 She she's actually like um a pretty good actress where you you understand without her relying on dialogue what is passing through her mind. Right. Whereas unfortunately with Daphne it's sort of like she has to be like I let that kid die and the kid died and that made me sad. Yeah. And I don't know that I want to let another kid die. Okay, okay yeah, I, I, I totally get yeah. it. <laughs> I am, you, you, I'm on board with the not having Toby die. Yeah. Let's let's definitely keep him alive. Um, so she grabs Toby and they go into another bedroom. And then he has his walkie-talkie with him. And so she's like, if you use the walkie-talkie, then my walkie-talkie, which is in my guest room up here is going to go off and then the killer is going to hear a voice and going to go that way and then we can sneak past him to get the fire ladder so that we don't have to go down the stairs and we can use the fire ladder instead and I don't know like maybe it did make sense to like dart across the hallway real quick rather than like go back out to the landing and down the stairs but or maybe it didn't <laughs> in any case that's what the plan is <laughs> yeah i mean i think the the whole fire ladder thing so the reason toby doesn't go to the wake with his family which is why they're out of town is because he's afraid of flying and so he's afraid of heights sort of generically and so the movie for decided that like okay we're gonna handle this by having him and daphne get on the ladder and climb down and he's gonna you know fight his fear of heights and she's gonna help him get through that and it's gonna kind of heal both of them um and so the you could almost feel the movie being like but how do we do that like he's not gonna freeze at the top of the stairs and suddenly be like no i can't go down i can't walk down the stairs um and so they had to kind of manufacture this fire ladder thing um and so Chekhov's walkie-talkie, because they have an, a conversation 40 minutes earlier that's like, Toby looks at the walkie-talkie, he's like, I have walkie-talkies, but there's not much use for them as an only child. 
And you can see him almost like sigh and look directly at the camera like, I'm sad. <laughs> oh man, I wonder if those walkie-talkies are going to come back to play a crucial role in the, the end of this film. And they do. It's funny because like in that scene we talk about walkie-talkies and I'm like, oh, that's going to come up later. And then um, I thought, I mean, what, what they did with it was fine, but I assumed what was going to happen is she was going to have a walkie-talkie with her and going to try to tell Toby, you need to, like, get out of the house. And then, but unfortunately, it's the walkie-talkie that alerts the killer that someone else is still in the house or something. But it it's not that. Um, but another thing they talk about in that scene with the walkie-talkies is the fact that he's making a birdhouse with a security camera in it. And I'm like, oh, that's yes. going to come up later. And they, they have it at the very end of the movie after all the peril is done. And I'm like, oh, I thought it was going to be a part of, like, the scene with the bad guy creeping around the house. But I guess not. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, no, it just ends up being a topic of conversation where they're like, yeah, we gave him the money to build that. And we're going to give him the money probably for his first startup. And I was like okay, this is a weird, like, pro-Silicon Valley little conversation at the end of this movie here. I don't know what, what really the relevance of any of this is, but okay, yeah, he, he, he built that thing. Because it's a birdhouse with a camera at the bottom, and he says it's like a home security system or something like that. Because um, he's an inventor. That's sort of his hook, is that he's like a precocious inventor type. Yeah. So he manages to lure the killer into the other room. They duck into his bedroom and get the ladder. And I guess, why can't they use the ladder in his room? I don't know. <laughs> you would, I mean, they probably should be able to since it's a fire ladder. I mean, that's why so it's like in the his whole room point? to begin with is right. that there's a fire and he needs to leave through the window he has a ladder but they don't right, use the window they, in his bedroom and I don't know why no they use a different window um, and Toby freaks out and he's like I can't go down I don't know what I'm going to do uh, I can't I can't deal with the heights and Daphne's like I'm going to be with you every step of the way don't worry you can trust me it's so uh, great though because <laughs> one of the things she says is like as a nurse I've seen a lot of scared um, kids who have come into the hospital <laughs> and you're braver than all of them and I was like that's such a crazy thing to say <laughs> to be like yeah, those like, pussies with leukemia oh my gosh such crybabies <laughs> I was gonna say yeah like listen I've seen a lot of cowards <laughs> just a lot of seven year olds who you know they're facing death and they just cry about yeah they cry to their bobbies all you're the like, time <laughs> It just seemed a very heartless thing to say. (laughs) Yeah, it was like a weird... Like, he's going to think back on that when he's like 20 and be like, that was a really weird thing my babysitter said to me. Like, why did she tell me that? Oh, so strange. But eventually he does get on the ladder. And uh, she is with him every step of the way. And (laughs) this may be a weird thing to bring up, but I've noticed... In other Lifetime movies, there's usually, there's sometimes like a woman in peril on a staircase or on a ladder or up on some sort of height. 
And as they fall or are struggling on the ladder or whatever, you, like, will see up their shorts and skirts. And it's like, that's a really weird call. <laughs> yeah, I don't... Yeah, I don't know if maybe they're, like... Who, like, there's no lifetime executives, like, ah, oh, a little something for the husbands who are watching or something. Yeah. Like, no, no, please, just... Just, just end it. Just get her down the ladder, please. <laughs> so, uh, the killer is now on the ground floor and uh, is seeing them dangling on this fire ladder and starts, like, grabbing at them. The killer doesn't have, yeah, like, a knife be- or anything. She's just grabbing at them, I guess. Trying to push Like, if off. this had been a... Right, like, if this had been, like, a real slasher movie, you could see someone going down that ladder and then, like, ooh, they think they're safe, and then... Like, the killer stabs them. And it's like, oh no, they thought they were safe, but they got to the bottom of the ladder and actually... But no, the killer just sort of lightly shoves them <laughs> or when they get to like, the bottom of the ladder. Try to, since it's, like, basically a rope ladder with metal rungs, you could, like, slowly, like, cut at the fabric that's holding this thing. And they have to, like, jump off of it and then, like, sprain an ankle and they're trying to run away with a sprained ankle. But no, no, they just kind of get lightly shoved... And um, Daphne kicks at the uh, killer and the, the killer goes down and they they run to the car and then she realizes she doesn't have the keys because Casey's not there because Casey's dead, but she doesn't know this. And then she runs back into the house and then she sees that Casey's dead and then she grabs the keys and she goes back outside. But before they like start driving away, she gives Toby another insulin shot because his blood sugar's too high? Yes. And I'm not sure why his blood sugar's too high. Because you'd think with the adrenaline it would go too low. But I don't know. Yeah, I'm I... not a doctor. <laughs> yeah, I don't know much about diabetes. It seemed like in this movie that they was basically just their form of like a ticking time bomb. Right. <laughs> they were like, oh no, he's definitely gonna like be too diabetic at some point like n- no one who was writing the script knew how it worked they were just like yeah but it's at a certain point he's gonna have the sugar problem <laughs> and that'll be like an important third act thing he has the insulin fever i think is what she calls it at one point. yes yeah she does i think when uh when they first meet at, like, the diner, when she's uh, interviewing, yep. she's like, ah, I heard you got a touch of the insulin fever. <laughs> I was like, what? He thinks it's hilarious. Maybe? It's all good, but it is a really weird thing to say. <laughs> you just imagine the mom's like, wait, was she actually trained as a nurse? <laughs> like, this whole, that kid passing away thing wasn't an accident. Like, maybe it was, she thinks that it's insulin fever. She's like I had to I had to balance his humors. <laughs> I had to let some blood out because of the demons. Exactly. Um <laughs> So, anyways, they're not driving away. The killer was pushed and was not really incapacitated. So now the killer is coming back to the front of the house and wait, does she have we already had that scene where she's like, why are you doing this? And then, like, the killer's like, I'm a woman. Also, you are responsible for the death of my kid. That no, I think happened. that happened. Well, I thought that happened now. Is like they, she pulls Daphne out of the car. Or Daphne somehow ends, out, uh, ends up outside of the car. And then 
she like pulls the hood back and she's like, "It's me, Audra." Um, and for right. a second, you're like the maid. <laughs> What's the? But then, and then she's like, "I'm not really a maid." <laughs> and you're like, "Oh, wow, what a twist!" That lady who wiped half a counter for several seconds and then was like, "I'm all done here." It's like, no, this is this is like a palatial, huge house. Like, you need a, like a team of two or three people. But, uh, yeah. So then she says. You know, you were the, you know, you let my child die and it's because you babysitters are young and attractive and you steal our husbands and let our children die. And I'm like, I feel like you're overgeneralizing about sort of the problems mm-hmm. with babysitters. But, I, you know, I know you're not in the best place right now, Audra. Um, but yeah, she. Yeah. And like, maybe it would have been more fun if she just like really just liked killing babysitters i don't know yeah if she was like i used to be a nanny but now people only hire like younger women and i'm out of the game so i'm killing the competition that might have been a cool angle or you know i don't know because two women who happened to be like one of them was a nurse like she shouldn't have been a babysitter anyway so that's a total yeah it's a total coincidence that she killed tries to kill both of these people at the same exact type of workplace um yeah so the, the movie yeah. very clearly wanted you to just go like oh, the mom and not think about anything else like not try to put anything else together but then unfortunately follows it up with the classic like villain motivation exposition speech where she like gives this entire plan of how she lost her son and then killed the babysitter and how the babysitter was connected to this other babysitter um, and kind of casually mentions that she tried to poison her husband and wasn't successful. Um, yeah. And this is all, like, while she's standing over Daphne menacingly. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> eventually the killer pushes Daphne to the ground and is going to try to, I don't know, what is she going to try to do? Like, strangle her with her bare hands or something? Yeah, strangle her. I think she might be trying to stab her. No, she's strangling her. Yeah, she's, she's strangling, strangling her. her. Okay. Um, and then, because Daphne is on is flat on her back, and she's, like, looking around to try to grab anything to fight back. And, of course, what does she find? She finds... Oh, you're the, setting me up. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, well, I was like, this she is your podcast. You syringe. get to... You get to... <laughs> it's a syringe. <laughs> yes. So she kills her with a syringe to the temple. Um, Which, the skull's, like, really hard there. Yeah. Like, wouldn't the needle break? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't And she also, like, depresses the plunger on the syringe, but there's... I don't think there's anything in there. Um... So I don't know if... I mean, there may be insulin in there. Maybe. I I think we were just supposed to be like, oh, she hit her in the temple. That's that's the kill spot. Um, <laughs> and so she, the killer falls over, and Daphne has saved herself and Toby. And they go driving off, mm-hmm. and then there's like a little button ending where she tells the family, I'm going to finish up medical school. Because originally she was in medical school to become a doctor 
and then switched fields entirely and became a nurse instead. Yes. And now she wants to be a doctor again. Yes. And she says that, that she came to California to be a nurse because of a boy. But then she's like, but that yeah. quickly ended. So she's not talking about Jeremy. No. So she I lived in Atlanta. So. She followed a man to California where she switched career paths. Then they broke up. Then she was dating um, Jeremy, a physician's assistant, despite hundreds of years of family tradition of hating them. Um, and then like, to- then at the end, after she's saved Toby, she decides she wants to be a doctor again. Yeah. And so I think she's going that... back to Atlanta. Yeah, to to finish up her studies. But that whole <laughs> plot, I mean, it didn't really matter. But it really irritated me. Because it made it seem like, like people don't want to be nurses. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely... <laughs> like it isn't like a lot of work to become a nurse. <laughs> yeah, there was definitely a sense of like, I just gave up and became a nurse. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Still a medical professional. Like, let's let's be be clear here. Yeah, where she's like, she might as well have said like, well, I I didn't go to real medical school. Yeah. Uh, And yeah. I mean, it does take longer to become a doctor and it is more expensive to become a doctor. So like, you can definitely switch paths, but it just... I don't know. I have a lot of friends who are nurses, and I was like, I don't think any of them would care for this. Yeah, no. My, <laughs> I know, I certainly don't. My mom was a nurse. Uh, is a nurse. So, it's like, yeah, no, my mom didn't do that because she wasn't smart enough to be a doctor or talented enough to be a doctor. Like, she wanted to be a nurse. Um, so, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Nurses often don't get their due. So, anytime that comes up, it's really annoying. Yeah. And I'm sure your mom's amazing. Thank you. Shout out to my mom. There. <laughs> did did she have any other like weird random jobs? Uh, she actually did. Person? You know, she ran a cleaning service. I was going to mention that my first job was <laughs> working at a cleaning service. And like, we sure as hell didn't get paid if we just wiped up one counter. Uh, but then I was like, this is going to sound like, again, I don't want to be the weird odd jobs guy. So I, I didn't mention that. Well, that's your new uh, nickname is odd job. Perfect. So you should just accept it. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and I guess, I don't know, I'm girl who notices up shot uh, <laughs> stuff in Lifetime movies. Yeah, you're going to have an offshoot podcast that's just like Lifetime like pg upskirt stuff and you're like no one listens to this and i'm on a lot of watch lists <laughs> it's like mr skin but like really lame <laughs> yeah it's like mr yeah. skin and 12 year olds are like this is this is nothing what what listen i'm risking grounding here what, what am i getting out of this <laughs> this is bad intel <laughs> Why are you focusing on just Lifetime movies? Those barely have any nudity at all. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. Um, I guess we can do the judging of the movie. I have two different types of judging. There's one to five stars that indicates the quality of the movie. And then there's one to five whatevers that indicates how much fun you had mocking the movie or laughing at it as it was happening. Mm. Um 
So, I don't know. Do we want to do insulin syringes? Or... <laughs> Wine bottles? I don't know. I was to say, if we do insulin syringes, this movie did not know how those worked either. So really, that would be sort of, that would be a wild card we could use. Be like seven okay. and a half out of 12 insulin syringes. <laughs> well, both scales are one to five. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, yeah, so I mean, in terms of stars for the quality of the movie, I, I haven't watched a ton of movies like this, of this type, but it just felt like such a pale imitation of like not even good slashers. Um, so I'd probably give it like a two, maybe cresting up to a three if there had been more Casey. Um, so yeah, I'd say probably a two. In terms of enjoyment, I mean, I really thought that this movie was going to be about a killer uh, pizza man. Uh, so I was pretty psyched about that. So for the, like the first hour, I was like, I want, is he going to kill them with the pizza? Um, are breadsticks going to be involved? Uh, you know, is she going to kill him by stabbing him with a little table that you get in like a pizza? Um, so when it turned out to not be the pizza guy, um, I got a little, I got a little sad. I would say my enjoyment was probably like a three out of five. I definitely sat and watched this movie. And like I said earlier, rave review, I didn't feel trapped while watching it. (laughs) So... I would say, yeah, I would say a two for quality, but a three for enjoyment. Okay. Um, yeah, I would say, like, a two for quality. I thought the acting was okay. And there's a few lines in here that are really strange, but for the most part, there's nothing too wacky in terms of dialogue. It just isn't very thrilling or spooky. Um, it's just like, was that a noise? Are those footprints? Um, the stuff with the pizza guy was genuinely creepy, but it was really obvious that this is just a MacGuffin guy. Yeah. (laughs) So I never felt like, oh, this guy's going to be violent. Um, and then as soon as you saw the maid, you were like, oh, well, she's a fake maid. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so yeah, two is good. And in terms of like, um, silliness, like there is the scene where Casey thinks it's a good idea to lock herself (laughs) in a closet that has no door. And she's like looking at the killer and it's like, if you can see out, she can see in. That's how, that's how it works. I don't know what you're not getting about this. Um, yeah, she really does but, put the equivalent yeah. of like a chain link fence between them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's not crazy goofy. So I don't know. I, I, I might give it like a two. It I enjoyed it more than I enjoy a lot of movies I watch for this podcast, but it, it's not scary and it's not funny. It It's just kind of there (laughs) yeah yes absolutely that that if this ever gets a home like video release that it's going to be on the box definitely there there is content (laughs) on the dvd (laughs) 
There is footage. That's all it says. We turned the cameras on. <laughs> People showed up. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you for being on. Yeah, thank you for having me. Sure, sure thing, odd job. <laughs> I had to like remember the nickname I gave you, and I was like, oh, I already forgot. <laughs> Alright, well, thanks for listening, guys. You can follow us on Twitter at NABM Podcast or search for us on Facebook or go to our website, not another bad movie podcast dot com. And we'll see you in another month. Bye. Bye. <laughs>